This is Power of the Streets, a podcast series brought to you by Human Rights Watch about how we speak truth to power. I'm Audrey Kawire-Wabwire and I'm based in Nairobi, Kenya. We've already been to Nigeria, Malawi, Uganda, Gambia, Tanzania, South Africa and Ethiopia speaking with some of the people leading the Me Too movement in Africa. If you haven't already, please check out all the previous episodes to catch up. Now, this is the final episode of our very first season and we're taking this conversation to Mozambique. Everyone we speak to in the series has a second, a minute, or an hour when they realize that they need to make a change. The moment when they decide to step up and rise. We are 52% of the population. How come the decision-making process, which are took by politicians, we are not took in consideration? We are not there influencing. That is Fatima Mimbire. She's a writer, human rights defender, and a political activist in Mozambique. She advocates for women's rights, and she believes that citizens should be more engaged in politics and everyday governance. We will die one day. We are, I used to use uh, an expression <laughs> saying that we all are in this world pilgrimaging for the death, right? The end is to die, right? So just mm-hmm. choose how do you want to die? So I, 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 I choose to die defending ideal. I know that I will die. If they want to kill me, they can kill me. To start off, you're a human rights activist in Mozambique and you champion citizens' participation in politics and governance. What are you trying to change when you push for more people to take part in governance? Well, first of all, we need to recognize that the exercise of uh, politic power relies to the citizens because they are the ones who choose the representatives or the ones who will lead the country. We have responsibilities to monitor, to contribute, to hold them accountable. Uh, And what we feel, particularly what I feel, is that uh, we have people or citizens uh, aware and responsive in terms of voting process. They recognize that this is a, is a responsibility. But once uh, the government or the elected people are sworn, they forget about the role they do have. They allow them to do whatever they want. Uh, they don't want to participate. They complain, but they don't contribute. Uh, and then the abuse of power, we just accept that. The poor are becoming more poor and the rich people are becoming richer. And why? Because they are part of political elite. So I decided to be uh, a voice that um, inspires other voices, other people to come up and participate, to come up and reivindicate, to come up and ask the government, hold the government accountable. And that is interesting because I'm a woman <laughs> and people says, uh, from where she got this courage? And I used to say that uh, I was emancipated from my home. Okay, my parents allowed that. Wait, 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 Fatima. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, that is a very interesting point. So it's a very interesting point, you know. Yeah, just 
let, let's really go back to the beginning. You know, you're speaking really passionately about um, pushing for citizens to demand better from their government. And this is something, you know, was, that you started in your childhood or even as a teenager. But was there a moment that, you know, you decided, no, I'm going to speak up and I'm not going to take this anymore. Was there a particular time when you decided to be an activist? I worked 10 years in, 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 in newsrooms as a journalist. The, the, the trigger point for me was while I understood that being journalist in Mozambique is not enough to influence the public debate, is not enough to fuel um, the, the, and challenge the government. In other countries, we, we see that happening, but in Mozambique, don't, because the, the, the editorials are controlled, the, the gatekeepers are controlled people. And I remember my last episode as, as a journalist, and that was expensive for me, was in a meeting in 2008, we were facing the start of this global economic crisis and the cereal crisis also came in. In 2008, global food prices of rice, wheat, maize and oil increased on the international markets. Since Mozambique imports over 60% of its cereal products, local demand was severely impacted and the prices of these cereals increased locally. As some markets started to close and not export uh, their cereals for other countries. So we were invited for a press conference. They called us on Saturday to explain to the citizen that they are creating a strategy to, to produce cereals in the country. And I said, sorry, Mr. Minister, I do understand very well what you are saying. You are presenting us a very good plan, but this plan is not um, uh, feasible for short term where we are facing a crisis and tomorrow we will not have rice uh, and, and maize and so forth to give to our people. So what will you do? So we will be need to, to wait for three, four, five years to have that, that product available for our people. And my colleagues, once we came out, started to ask, you are saying that these uh, people from government, they are, they are useless. I said, yes, I'm telling that because we are facing uh, this, um, we are hungry, hunger now because of them. They are not doing their work. Before I being journalist, I'm a citizen and these measures will affect me in, in the first stage. So Fatima, I, you know, you, you're, you're, very serious that you know you're going to use your voice to speak up as a citizen and push for more people to be involved in you know uh, asking for change from the government but as you started to mention you're a woman speaking about politics and you're in the minority in a male-dominated field and you have said um, in the past that you received threats for your work so in this show, we are speaking about gender-based violence and how people are standing up against it on the continent, be it uh, cyberbullying or verbal or physical. So it, it, could you tell me about some of the threats you received and how you responded against them, how you responded to them? I was exposed in WhatsApp 
uh, messages that circulated saying that I'm a foreigner agent. Like I'm not defending mm-hmm. the interest of my country, but I'm defending the interest of the foreigners who are enemies of this country. Uh, like because the civil society organizations are financed by international institutions like embassies, so we are serving the interests of that embassy, mm-hmm. which are not the, the, for the good of Mozambique. So saying that I'm not genuine in what I'm talking about, in what I'm revindicating, but I, I'm clear that this is not something that I agreed with them. There is a work that I do and I report to them because they are financing, but there are civic intervention that is, has nothing to do with the donors. It's about a Mozambican with its government. Okay, it's about me and my government. The second one were really direct threats in my Facebook account. But the one who really shocked me and is really uh, a serious threat was once a member of a parliament, and I have to underline that that was a woman, uh, was, a com- was commenting, we were discussing about the death of uh, Afonso Giacama, the, oppos- the main opposition lead, leader who died uh, in, I think, two or three years ago. And we were discussing about him, the role he had and so forth. And I said that he was a hero for some and a villain for others. And I was making that assessment, saying that some people recognize his role for democracy fight in this country. And some girl wrote in, in her WhatsApp uh, wall saying that, who is that Fatima Mimbir who is saying that Afonso Giacama is a hero? And that, that um, member of parliament said, ah, that Fatima is an oppositor. She deserves to be raped by 10 strong oh. and big men in order to correct her. That. She is an agitator, she, so she needs to be punished. I have no relationship that with that terrible. woman. Yes, it was a shocking. And that woman at the parliament, supposedly she represents me and other women that, other women that were already raped and she's saying that rape is a way to correct a deviated behavior. That was the main message she brought out. Where did she say this? She she said that Facebook. She was commenting in a, in a, in that post. Hmm. Yeah, and she said that. And people saw that. People calling me saying, did you see that? And I received screenshots and so forth. So the society, the people at Facebook started to complain, to name and shame her, asking to her to step up from the parliament seat and so forth. Uh, so that came to me and I had to 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 address the situation. So in 2019, I was marching and the main uh, message was that stop uh, sexual harassment because this is the main reason of, of uh, sexual violence is the main uh, kind of violence affecting women. And every day we see news saying that a woman held, held a woman was arrested, was arrested 
sexually viola violated or a kid or a baby with one, just one year was violated. How, how come we do accept such a thing? And months after my, my home was, was assaulted and I had to run off from that uh for, for for three months oh what happened they came in into my home they robbed they took some, some my husband computer because mine was with me they took the whole home computer that we use our desktop that we use with our kids or when we are doing work here they got in my room they searched different things i found all my documents are spread on 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 the on the floor uh they opened the doors and and let that doors open and the kind of things that they took the way they got in was a clear message for me not that they wanted to take something here they just took something here to show uh, or to convince us that this was a normal assault but it wasn't this was a message uh, intimidating me and intimidating other guys in the in the in the in the society i is important to underline that i was traveling and was the day i was coming back in the uh in the in the night of the day that i was I was coming back. So it was really a message for me. I also uh, um, went to the, the, the police to expose the case, but they, they didn't come to my home to do this investigation, to find the fingerprints and so forth. No. So the case is closed because nothing happened and no one gave me an explanation about what happened. Fatma, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying. What I'd like to understand more, is it common for women who participate in politics like you to be threatened? We have an history from past where voice women were killed. There is a woman called uh, Joanna Simeon who was killed in a brutal way. She was, if you go to internet, you can find some about her. She was a voice lady. She created a group, a political party. She was uh, during after the independence. She was discussing on the how the country should be run. She was discussing about the party and the state was the same thing. And she was demanding for 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 democracy, for elections in a time that that was unthinkable. And she was speaking up about that. And she was killed in a brutal way. Until now, some people in her family don't know where she is. So this is one example. Uh, Lisma Bot is another, another woman that was threatened more than me. What I was uh, exposed to is nothing related to what she did. She is a, an heroine that's that we need to recognize the role she she had for for human rights uh, recognition from uh, the people in the in the jail the common citizen people affected in in rural areas by expertise and so forth so there is a a kind of a history of uh, women that try uh, uh, um, dare to 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 challenge the the, the establishment that were really um uh, uh, um threats uh we see some women in political parties um we saw some running for positions but once they are there they are exposed they are they are um how can i say their private life comes out they are nude 
pictures uh, are put in public domain, just to name and shame them. And that's the reason I, I guess that there is no much uh, significant numbers of women in Mozambique engaged in politics. So this is it's very interesting and it's very energizing to see that, you know, you are not deterred, you're not stopped by um, the threats and the difficulties in challenging the government. Something more personal I'd like to know is how has your family and other close people reacted to your activism and your work? Yeah, it's not uh, it's not easy to deal with that. My husband, uh, he's my friend, my supporter, is the one who once I sometimes I think I will give up, and he says, "No, I know what are you fighting for." Uh, look at your, your children and just do things for them. So it's someone who supports me unconditionally. My father is my main inspiration because, as I said, in some stage of this conversation, I was emancipated from my home. I'm coming from a, a family of uh, six siblings. We, we, we were six. I'm, um, I am the fifth one. So, and uh, we have uh, three boys and three girls. And my, my father was someone who always spoke to, her, to us. We had no problem at home that was not discussed in the assembly. So if someone did something, we all will be convinced to discuss that issue. To in the decision-making process, we were all involved. All of us, even in the sensitive uh, situations we were there. There is an episode that for me, it's really interesting and I'd like to share here. Once I was about to get married, we have a, such a kind of a lobola. Yes, I know lobola. Yes, so I was to be um, in that ceremony. So the family convened with the uncles, aunties, and the uncles, aunties decided that, oh, we should ask them these amounts. And then once these guys went off, I, I went to my, my, my father and my, my, my mom and I said, look, I, this is a symbolic payment. They are not buying um, uh, boats. It's not about buying me. It's about the symbolism, traditional symbolism. Yes. So Let's be clear about that. This amount is huge. I'm not accepting that. I know the guy, and I know that this is a huge amount. My father said, oh, well, how will we handle that? I said, well, the aunties and uncles, they can say whatever they want. They don't know us. They don't know the conditions of my, my fiancé. So please. I will tell you how much you charge, which is lower than what the, the family uh, demanded. So we agreed on that. I had the word to say on that. My question is how many women, how many girls are hurt from their families once is to take such a kind of decision that will affect their lives. And the, this uh, gender-based violence, some cases has a base from that kind of situation, how the families deal with this uh, way that this girl is, is getting married traditionally, the, the, the monetary financial relationship. So once having a voice to say to your parents that, no, I don't agree with that, 
is something that emancipates you. Now, now here you are. I I know that you're inspiring many young women when they see you in Mozambique. They see you speaking up uh, bravely publicly, and you're very involved in politics, and you're not afraid. But you know, like you said, it's it's difficult and it's scary. Um, the violence you face, the cyberbullying, um, being your home being targeted. There are, there are very many threats. What is your message to other women who either they want to start being more involved or they're already doing this work? What is your message to inspire them, to push them forward? Well, yeah, my main message is that we cannot uh, be a part of the political debate of our country because even the um, um, gender-based violence has a root cause in in the policies that the country implements. So the kind of leaders or politicians we have that will push for better policies, for better measures to to deal with gender-based violence, is all related to politics. So it's not something that we can run away. So it's something that the, uh, is has everything to do with us that affects our life. So we need to understand that. People say, ah, I don't like politics. You have to like politics because it's from there where you, your life mm. is decided. The things that affect you, your quality of life, your security. We are now talking about peace in Mozambique. How many women are affected by, by this instability? And all this is about politics. So we need, we have to be involved in that now, Fatima, you know, you're doing very heavy work. I, I can tell by the, some of the things you go through, some of, you know, uh, what you have to maneuver and uh, the threats, the difficulty. How do you take time off and relax and reset? What do you usually do to, you know, just chill out? <laughs> we find ways to chill out, to relax, books are good. I'm right. I, I write, I'm writing my poems. I'm writing a book now mm. about corruption. That's I, I, the title that I created is uh, Corrupção que Marabenta o Meu País. Marabenta is the kind of a dance, uh, the, uh, traditional dance in Mozambique. But Marabenta has another um, uh, meaning uh, uh, that can take us to say that that erupts uh, or um, which uh, prejudices, uh, something like that. So writing, um, so relaxing with family, uh, giving quality time, doing cooking with the family at the, the, the kitchen, um, uh, messing the kitchen. So these kind of things, watching moves. So I like a lot of comedy action. So I, I found at home that place where I found my peace. Okay, that, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I've, I've been cooking a lot during COVID, but, you know, I've never been a great cook. So I really experiment and, you know, my son has to eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> that yes. works out or doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for someone who's listening right now, where can they 
find you, your Facebook, and follow your work right now? Uh, they can follow me uh, on Facebook. I'm there, very active. It's Fatima Mimbire. Fatima Mimbire. M-I-M-B-I-R-E. Mimbire. Fatima Mimbire. Uh, I'm there. I have a lot of friends. Uh, I have a lot of um, publications. And now, fortunately, Facebook does the uh, translation to English so you can read uh, what I used to write. So it's a discussion about politics. My YouTube channel is not ready yet i'm working on it uh on youtube you can look for opinion feminino i i i was there until uh june 2019 so you will uh listen to my contributions my participation to public the debate there is a lot <laughs> but these are at the main uh places where they can find me facebook youtube not my specific channel but the the, the opinion feminino program you've been listening to power of the streets a podcast series brought to you by human rights watch i'm audrey kawire wapire that's the end of our show Check out our show notes for more about Fatima and where you can find her work. This is the end of the first season of Power of the Streets, where we focused on the Me Too movement in Africa. It's been such an honor and a great journey speaking to all these amazing African activists. Please share the series with a friend and rate the show wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think using the hashtag Power of the Streets on social media and share your thoughts with Fatima or any of the guests we had in this season and you can tell us how you're speaking truth to power. To learn more about Human Rights Watch, visit hrw.org, follow us on Twitter at hrw and on Instagram at Human Rights Watch for updates on the show and more bonus episodes coming soon. Our producer is Andy Siwemi, and this is a volume production. The main theme song Au Revoir is produced by Young OG Beats. Till next time, thank you for listening.